What's been happening in the news? Jobless claims. The monthly moving average for the initial claims for unemployment insurance is on a mild downward trend. This suggests a mild economic decline in 2024 rather than that severe recession everybody's been talking about. As far as interest rates, we are expected to see that decline in 2024, possibly starting as early as January. Now, the core PCE rate forecasts in 2024 and 2025 show a decline of about 2.6% and 2% respectively, suggesting that the possibility of further interest rate reductions if inflation decreases quicker than expected. However, I think a more likely scenario is a reduction in March or April. And with that said, we are chomping at the bit to get out there once the floodgates start to open as these interest rates start to come down and as there is a little bit more stability in the capital markets due to this uncertainty. Because right now, interest rates staying where they're at and maybe even going up is still a very minority chance of happening. So I would say even in the single digits. But once interest rates are on the way down, you know, that could possibly open up these floodgates and make the deals finally start to pencil again, which is why we've held back on doing things for well over a year now. That said, in 2024, there will be a liquidity crisis, specifically talking about the bond market, which could prompt the Federal Reserve to lower interest rates quicker than expected. And with some people saying being an election year, adds pressure to the Fed to lower these rates. I just released a video going over the new 2024 tax brackets. The magic number for those of you guys who follow this every year is $384,000 is that top tier bracket that we'd like you guys to get under. Check out our ATM fund at thewealthelevator.com slash ATM to learn how to use the 179 deductions there. And part of this is comboing this with a CPA who understands all this stuff. So if you guys need a referral, let us know. Shoot our team an email at team at thewealthelevator.com. And get on the bandwagon. You know, I, I think if you go to our tax page, you know, I have a lot of my screenshots of my old personal taxes. And I do remember as early as 2017 and 18, there were a few years there that I didn't really pay any taxes. And that was where my eyes were open. These were the years investing from rental properties where the tax benefits are okay there. But when you get to, into the world of cost segregations, bonus depreciation with syndications, the passive losses get a mu much more better. And it opens up this world to you know what I even thought at the time was beyond possible, paying little to no taxes legally. But also another goodie in there for you guys. It's the start of the year, time to get organized. And as you start to work with your new CPA, a lot of these K1, I have an informal tracker sheet that I use personally. You feel free to tailor it to your own needs. You can also get at that at thewealthelevator.com slash tax. With that, enjoy the podcast this week. It is a coaching call. We're talking about alternatives to 10 to 1 exchanges, selling off real estate assets and possibly deploying that into a nice home in a cheaper area, which I think is great. And I'm all for and also how to deploy that capital into deals. Of course, every situation is a little bit different. Again, take this for a grain of salt and also, you know, get other perspectives. Check out our other coaching calls on our members page there. Before you jump into the coaching call, we're going to be going through a couple of big concepts. First, where is money coming through to invest? Here are seven ways 
which is cash, self-directed IRAs, solo 401ks, tender money exchanges, business funds, trusts that you may own, and also loans that you can be pulling to fund your investment endeavors. People under a couple million dollars net worth really need to understand and lean into is to utilizing all the equity they have. Just think about like buying your house to live in. Without a loan, you'll never own the dang thing, right? Similarly to financial independence, you have to use debt. And there is some risk associated with that, which is why it's important to pick investments wisely and to diversify. But it's important to tap these resources so you can safely leverage to a larger net worth amount. And once you have that larger net worth, you can possibly invest in more conservative investments, maybe go back to traditional investments over the long haul. So these are the seven ways of you can tap the money, but I always outline it on this format right here. And we go about this in the workshops that we do. Basically, this is the flow chart. This is where you get your money first to invest. The first thing is your annual net, right? Your heart, sweat, and tears, annual savings. So a lot of our clients, they make over fifty dollars to $100,000 a year. So meaning they may make an uh, income of $500,000, spend $300,000, and the net would be a couple hundred. They pay some taxes in there too. So that's where that number comes from, fifty dollars to $100,000 a year. And this is where they would deploy it on an annual basis. So that's, that goes first. Of course, you need to have a little bit of emergency savings, which for most salary people, you don't really need that much, maybe ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 to float your credit cards and a bigger expenses if it's coming down the pipeline. For some of you guys who own your own businesses, especially you have a payroll, you may want to pad that number over 20, 30, 50 grand. I think most people have way too much emergency savings. And I do talk about this in the up this coaching call today. The next thing is deploy the cash savings in this and we have all these different types of scenarios that I outline this out. And if you guys join the Investor Club by going to thewealthelevator.com slash club, you guys get a free intro call. We can walk through your personal situations with this. Is these are A lot of these are just straight from the calls that I do. I've kind of made a whole bunch of these and we tailor it along. The third place is either a 3A or 3B thing where it's we put home equity deploying that first and then going after your retirement accounts. Now, for some people who are worried about the stock market, where it's going, which I would probably be since the stock market has been relatively strong and with the Fed propping up interest rates, we haven't seen the fallout from that yet. So one could make the argument that deploying your retirement funds first may be above home equity. For the most part, you know, you could also make money in those qualified retirement plans money too. So this is where every situation is different. It's based on your perception of the market. But as a default, we put the home equity first. And then the way you tap your home equity is through a HELOC, then a refinance, and then finally selling it in that order. Right now, HELOC rates are very high. They should be coming down. But in normal times, that's typically the order operations there. So deploying that out. And you notice how we're using this diagram to plan ahead in the future years. And when then we start to get into taxes, right? When you start to take money out of your qualified retirement plans, such as your 401ks, self-directed IRAs, you, know, you, you take it as income and that will make your adjusted gross income go up. And this is where we get a little bit more personalized. Some people are already in high tax brackets. Therefore, you may want to leak your retirement accounts out slower. So a good example of that would be, and let me switch slides here. 
So this is the 2023 tax brackets. 364,000 was that magical number for Marifal jointly people. When you're above that amount, that's where I draw this dotted line at. Now I have updated this for 2024. As you can see, the numbers just went up for inflation, but the, the similar concept is still around. So what you're having here is 308,000 is the new threshold where you want to try and stay below that as much as possible. And there's a bunch of different mitigation strategies, conservation easements, equipment, 179 deductions. Check out our tax page at thewealthelevator.com slash tax. Get yourself a good CPA. If you guys need a new CPA, work with the guys that we work with. You can send our team an email. We can get you connected with them. But this is where when you're taking money out of retirement system, you're going to realize it as income. Say your AGI was 200 and you're taking $400,000 out that year, your AGI will explode up to 400. So one strategy that people will use, especially if they don't have home equity, they don't want to take a HELOC or refinance the equity in their home or don't have any other cash. Otherwise, they will leak out a certain magic number to take them right up to that $380,000 amount. So they don't peak into that 30%. They peek into it a little bit, who cares, right? But this is the general concept that we want people to understand and be able to verse with their CPA intelligently. So that's the high level. We're going to be talking about this in this next coaching call with Eric. Have fun. And if you guys need any help, feel free to join our newsletter and shoot us an email if you guys need any help. This is another coaching call with Eric, who's he's a great sport here. So I'm not giving him a hard time. He's just a fun guy been known each other what for a couple years at least yep who knows the pandemic seems to extend everything out i'm more surprised these days how time flies but uh, but yeah eric you've already been going into syndication deals and then as i talk about in the new book the wealth elevator which everybody should go and buy like specifically talk about what everybody does you know now over probably 800 investors probably by the time this airs be a thousand investors all you guys are little data points and this push between you first try it out, you do 10, 20% of your net worth. You sit and wait and make sure Lane doesn't run off to Mexico or a different part of Hawaii. And then two to five years, you wait and you're like, oh shoot, the damn thing does work. No, I have to push the alternative investments from 20%, 30, 40, 50, 60, maybe even 70, 80%, like how I did. Where's the money going to come from? So that's what we're going to be essentially talking about today. But Eric, why don't you fill us in the gaps? You're not just a machine that has amazing spreadsheets and you're a real person out there, right? Definitely not amazing spreadsheets. But yeah, so I work for myself. I have a consulting agency. I have a couple of people to help me, but it's small-ish kind of boutique consulting for marketing. I have this house that I moved out of in, in a nice San Diego location that I now rent. And I moved to Pennsylvania. On, on purpose, I know. I, the look of disdain and lane. Did days. I tell you to do that on our intro call? That was, yeah, that was your recommendation. Pay less taxes, move to Pennsylvania. Yeah. You didn't say that, but I could see you saying that. Yeah. Cause you had a lot of equity in this house, right? I think is the big thing. Yes. Yeah, so, so I have equity in this house that's tied up now and a nice refinance to 2.9 with pandemic money. Yeah, but don't, who cares about that? That's how regular people think. That's the old way of thinking. Or maybe I shouldn't say that either. It's an unsophisticated investor way of thinking. Yeah, it's the myopic point of view. You need to look at it holistically in your portfolio. What could that equity be doing otherwise? It's like bait. It's like financial porn. Oh, low interest rate, fixed. Yeah. Well, so there's that. 
And then I convinced my wife and my three kids to move into this tiny house in Pennsylvania thinking that we'd renovate it. So now we have this renovation underway that we're an architect. So we, I need to figure out how to pay for that to make happy wife, happy life happen. But really, I want to do the bare minimum so I can keep rolling things over because now I see that my, my syndication lane's not run away to Mexico. Not yet. Not yet. Exactly. So that's me in a nutshell. So let's start at the top, like the score net worth. We're approximately, are we at just roughly? Like, what? 1.5? 1.5. So how is that broken up? Home equity. So yours is a little bit, I know your situation a little bit, the home equity in that San Diego property that you just moved out of. Yeah. I probably have 750 in equity there. Yeah, like 700, 700. 700. Yeah. Okay. And then you, so you moved off to Pennsylvania. Did you buy a house out there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What? How much equity do you have in that? 20. Okay. Shoot. This is a lot. This is 70% of your net worth right here. Where, okay, so where else do you have stuff hidden? A country club. Okay. Uh, okay. I think that was just, it was just 25 in, in country club. Okay. Dude, that's, I'm not even going to put it out here. It's insignificant to you now. <laughs> Tell me where is the other 600 grand? Where is that hidden? Oh, my, I have businesses. I put it in there because I've, well, let's show my sheet. I've got 300,000 in retirement accounts, Roths. Okay. QRP, we're going to call them or what they really are. QRP money, which is all retirement account. Okay. So what'd you say? 200? 300. All Roth. Huh. Interesting. How did you do that? I've just always and always, I've only worked for myself and other small businesses. So that's just always what I ever did. I, it was me and E-Trade and I rode NVIDIA about 10 years ago. Okay. So I got lucky and I don't plan on doing it again and being that person that guesses again. Yeah. Sometimes that's the smartest people is the people that know that they're lucky and they sold out. Sell the San Diego rental. Okay. So that's, where's the other 300 or so? I, in my net worth calc, I consider my businesses that I could sell. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That ain't worth anything in terms of net worth, right? I know. Illiquid. It's illiquid, right? But we'll put it on other business stress. Such a broad, okay. So that's not really deployable, right? Correct. Uh, And so we're going to take this off the table and we're going to really call it like 1.2. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. We had a lesson learned, I think, for the folks. And we have this on the YouTube channel. If you guys want to take a look at, we're doing this on a spreadsheet so you guys can follow a little bit easier. Although it's not that complicated here. So San Diego property, you moved out when? July 1st of 2021. So it'll be two years this summer. Okay. So why don't you tell us, teach the folks your understanding of the two out of five rule, because this is something that everybody should be paying attention to. Pretty much the golden ticket when you're homeowners, you could be exempt from $250,000 of capital gains on that. Or if you're married, $500,000. Everything else in the world is deferring, but that's why I call this sort of the golden ticket. But how are you playing this, Eric? If you have lived in the house as your primary residence for two of the last five years prior to a sale, then you, as a married couple, you're exempt from the first $500,000 of taxable gains. So 700 was actually the sweet spot for me to maximize this because I figured in selling closing costs of five and a half percent and, you know, just it ends up, I'll end up netting six. 15 or 620, something like that. 
But what did you buy it for? And what oh, is I the bought, market price? I, I, I bought it for seven twenty five. Fair market value now is probably one point three. So you have far exceeded that half a million dollar bump. Yeah. So this is a mistake most people make out there in the world is that once you sell, once you, your property appreciates more than half a million single or 500,000 married, you have, you got to sell that thing, guys, right? If not, you're on the hook for anything that exceeds that half a million. And this is where I made this mistake. I was thinking of just being cool like Eric and renting, being renter bros, and then yeah. just like saving my money and let it all grow and then go buy a $10 million house in the future, whenever that day will come. Also, I probably die before that point, just the way the world works, right? <laughs> the late gratification until you die, right? But yeah. that's not, I was like, shoot, I'm gonna have to pay taxes on it at some point if I want to come up. But the best way is like leapfrog, right? You buy a million dollar house, then the 1.5, then two. And at that point, you don't really care about paying little taxes, right? Then you go three, then you go four mil. That's how crazy money is when you have a lot of it. You care more about the burden of moving than paying couple hundred grand in taxes on the not sale but for people who are under a few million dollars net worth these are like the low-hanging fruit that you need to be doing is understanding that five hundred thousand dollars is begging to move yeah and it's my understanding that you could there's no limit on repeating this correct and also i hear like they're going to be expanding this because the five hundred thousand dollars isn't much these days they may be increasing this to a million my guess is it'll probably change in the next 10 years, if not sooner. So this is part of the factoring in the decisions because I need some of that equity to renovate and make my Pennsylvania house bigger so my wife doesn't divorce me. And then I'll do it again. Yeah, yeah. And then the way I'm looking for this, and we do this at like the retreats where everybody does this exercise. And essentially we're playing the witch hunt for the lowest return on equity. And from what I'm seeing here is it is in that home equity of that San Diego property that, yeah, you're renting it out, but the ROE is like the worst on that stuff. Yes. Unless, and this is like maybe 10% of people, what is your feeling towards what's in that Roth stuff or that the traditional investments? Does that stress you out? Does it freak you out? Is the, did you watch the wrong YouTube video? You're, I know you watch a shit ton of YouTube videos. Just tell. Right. Are you stressed out about the stock market and stuff like that? Or No, but I don't, I'm, I'm over that. I, I don't really worry about it too much. I pick long-term strategy and I kind of sit and forget about it. I don't want to think about it. Okay. But, yeah. Other, but I also would rather be in control of it. Yeah. Real hard alternative investments to get it. Okay. Yeah. You're like most people, 90%, 95% of guys. And in that case, then we go the normal route, which is we go after the equity in the house. Yeah. For some people who are listening now who listen to podcasts more than a year or two and just somehow listen to the regurgitated stuff again and again, you probably listen to a lot of podcasts and fear, doom and gloom and black swans. Some of you guys may be more attuned toward being freaked out what's happening in your retirement accounts. And just for your personal sanity, then you might call the audible and go after what's in like your PRP stuff first. But most people aren't like that. Most people are. Same like Eric, normal. And let's go after like from the numbers perspective, which is what was working the least for us, which is the home equity. Obviously, you've thought about this a lot, Eric. What's the plan here? Let's talk. talk so if I sold the San Diego house this summer, I know what I would probably need a hundred, maybe a little more. I'm not sure yet, but between a hundred and two hundred for to do this renovation of the Pennsylvania house to keep 
stasis in my home. Security, I have three kids. They're going to go to school here. One's five. Like I'm going to be in this house for the next 10 years, most likely. Unless your wife divorced you and then you're going to move off to that one bedroom apartment that potentially in Phoenix or wherever. I plan on, I plan on, I'm committed. Okay. Okay. I'm committed. We'll be together. Okay. Especially if I give her more than one bedroom or one bathroom for five of us. Yeah. Which you can buy in Pennsylvania, right? That's, that was the whole purpose of the move. And I commend you because not many people have the cojone to move out of California where it's nice and warm and cozy. Yeah. Kids are soft in California and to get a, a square flat half acre in California where I wanted to live would be like $3 million. So forget that. Yeah. Yeah. And more importantly, daddy doesn't have to stress out and work a gazillion hours. I, I want to coach two little league teams and I like not having to work so much. Yeah. So, so I'm you, just doing the math here for you. So if you sold this thing for 1.3, let's just call it like com- the commission, 94%, maybe some other repair costs, you'd walk away with 1.2 million. How much do you owe on the property? Six. 60. Okay. So you're going to walk away with about half a mil, a little yeah, bit more than that, half a mil. Yeah. So I'm paying taxes on that 62,000. Oh yeah. So this is cash. How much cash you're going to get? And let's talk about the taxes that the way you do that is you go 1.3 million, essentially that the state number, right? And then you, which minus your commissions and any repairs and then any receipts that you did to improve the San Diego property. Yeah. And then you, we're going to minus what you your basis was. So you bought that for yeah. 725. yeah. So right now you're at half a million of, oh, there, you don't have to pay taxes. Shoot, it's perfect. What a because, dream. Yeah, it's like almost like you planned this. Oh. It's as if we spoke two years ago and we talked about it. Yeah. Yeah, so you don't have to pay taxes pretty much. So that makes things simple. Close enough. But then I've got 500 to say, how much do I reinvest in syndications or other things and how much do i put into the equity of my house in pennsylvania to do the to maintain a real human life yeah so let's put the money into that pennsylvania home so we can save your marriage yes so how much you we're doing fine right now we're doing fine lane i don't want to give people the right idea where is this so where how much money do you want for the pennsylvania house I want to do a $500,000 renovation. My wife probably would choose a $600,000 renovation. We're going to finance the rest. I already have a like a construction loan set up, pre-qualified for four twenty-five. dollars So Wait, hold, hold up. How much is this Pennsylvania house worth right now? Seven fifty. dollars And then you have, yeah, you have a loan. Or you have- I have an unpaid balance of around five and change. So five thirty dollars maybe. Yeah. That's like this two twenty. dollars Yeah. So you want to put in almost double what the damn house is worth? Yeah, I bought the last jack in a great location. So it'll okay. still be the smallest and cheapest house on the block. So you know that saying where like people are like, we're a young couple. Let's buy a fixer up. That's like yeah. the worst idea, in my opinion, because you have to put so much money out of pocket where you, if you just go buy a freaking new house, you can put down the down payment and finance all those costs and go through all the headache and I would love to, but nobody's selling their house around here. You could just wait. I would almost rather you go buy a $2 million house. If you hear me? Go buy a $2 million house with the equity in the, from the San Diego house, you mean? Yeah. Your t- time value of money on having this half a million dollars sit in this construction loan, go to the construction process, all this unknowns and variables, unforeseen costs, 
contractor change orders, et cetera. But just the time value of money, that money is not working for you. I don't want to put all, I don't want to put all 500 in that. I want to, I want to put a hundred of the equity in the San Diego house towards that so I can finance the rest. Okay. Okay. So after you do all this, this work to the house, what is the house going to be worth then you think? It, it'll be worth 1.3. It'll still be the cheapest house on the block. Okay. So I'll, yeah. I'll get that. I'll get that all back. So basically my my plan is I put 600,000 into the house at 750 and it's and it I don't lose any. The equity is worth it. Or okay. the fair market value it'll carry. That's fine. You said the right words. It's the last house on this one multi-stack or whatever. Okay. I mean it. it really is. You can pull it up. You'd be like, "Oh, this was a score." Yeah. They are always a score, Eric. But I got a guy, Lane. I got yeah. a guy. Okay. Okay. I'll concede on that. So out of your $500,000 or $550,000 of cash, you're going to walk away from that San Diego property. You're going to minus 150 out of that for your Pennsylvania house. Correct. Correct. So now we have, what are we at? 400 of money that you can... How do I deploy that so it makes me feel good about getting out of the San Diego house? Here's, I was making at the end of mine, and let's just say you put that into like alternative investments at 12%. You're already sitting at 48,000 annually, right? And passing income. And this is, we talk about in the alternative investment world, which doesn't include like crypto that could make a gazillion dollars and also lose <laughs> all your money. But like within reason, right? 10, 12% is what you get for debt secured by real estate. Value add is more like that 14 to 16% route and then developments are higher than that, maybe around 20%. But just using like conservative numbers on the lower end, 12%. So I do this exercise because most people, when they do this, it's, oh shoot, why am I working? I don't think you're quite there yet, but I didn't, like, I think it's important to just see like if we dumped out all our quarters, how much money we would have basically. Yeah. So obviously that's not enough. Yeah. And I don't, need, mean, I don't need the cash flow. Because business is fine for me and I'll, it's doing better. So I'm, I don't need to see this. Yeah. So let's just see what the range of possibilities are, right? If you did this amount at 0.16%, how would that look? And then at 20% a year, what it would look. This is just showing the range of possibilities. Yeah. But there's no more vanilla deals in the pipeline. So this is where I'm like, I don't know what's coming. That's just for the next couple of years, if anything. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know, like, what, how would you split this for 100 grand amongst these three categories? Just, there's just real high level esoteric, right? I'm just trying to figure out where your head is at in terms of risk I'm reward. Risk. I'm 40. I don't need to see a short term saying, like, I, I would put it 80% in the high category, okay. maybe even 90. You're single income, right? You guys. Yeah. What do you guys, you have a lower cost of living. Right. And since you're going to make this amazing house, you don't really need to go and pull buy a whole lot of crap. Probably yeah. will in two years. The house will get old on you. No. I'm just going to get used to it all. But anyway, you, what do you guys net every year? Like put to savings or retirement based on your workflow or your job? I don't know if you re- I remember this from last time I spoke, but I probably live off of around 300 a year. I pay taxes on 75 because I, I leverage my S corp you know, very strategically, yeah. but I, and I probably, depending on the year, but we moved and did a bunch of stuff, but I'll, I can put away 50 grand a year. Yeah. You're right in line with most people in our ecosystem, 50 to a hundred thousand. Yes. Yeah, so you're not suffocating with lack of oxygen 
on a month to month basis by any means. Yeah. So you skew a little bit more to the high. Let me just option one here. I would say just throwing this out there, right? Not giving financial advice, but maybe you did skew more to the high side and you did 400 on that side and you did 100 on the low. You know, that's, is that reasonable or like, how does that sound? Do you want to change it from there? That extra 100 is coming from the savings of the falling tax year, you mean? No, but we, you have 500 grand, right? So you're going to oh, be yeah. deploying it all. But 150 of it, maybe I'm... Isn't it, was it 150 gone in the Pennsylvania house? I'm left with 400. Okay, sure. Yeah, but so 300, yeah, 350 and 50. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Like that. At that point, I was like, why wouldn't I just put all 400 in the trusted high or reward? More for like mental well-being. You're, you're a different breed of cat. Like most of our investors aren't like business entrepreneurs like how you are. Yeah. So I guess I see where you're coming from. Most of our folks, high paid salary guys and... Yeah. If anything, I'm like, I'm heading into the B quadrant of the cash flow quadrant. Yeah. I'm trying to get out of that. I want to have. Yeah. But hear, hear me out here. Your source of income is already like five to 10 times more risky than the average bear out here. Right. Let's just talk about emergency savings. Like most investors who have day jobs, not even work for the government, but just like yeah. regular employer. I'm like, why do you guys have 40, 50 grand of emergency savings? For goodness sakes. You guys like, we'll just find another job in the next few months. Yeah. Like you guys are like high performers in your industries. And, but that's where you've moved down this path of the business entrepreneur where you have a legitimate need for reserves, right? Yeah. And again, I know in specifically your type of business, you're not really buying inventory or employees and stuff like that. So you're I, on the I'm, lighter side, but Korea. still. Yeah. For me, the, I have margin on software too. So I have, there's a certain percentage that increases every month for me where I have these monthly recurring revenue. Yeah. So anyways, I've, I understand like the need for the liquid backup, but isn't, maybe this is probably too risky. I probably have too, my risk profile is probably too high for where I am. But yeah, you're used to it, but that's why I'm saying, hey, let's even you out a little yeah. bit and maybe go a little bit more to the low. Just slightly. Okay. Something like that. I think that you understand this is definitely a sidebar, but in the world of business owners and entrepreneurs, to me, in your straddle both side of it, let's say real estate brokers, life insurance agents, people that sell stuff on a commission basis, technically, I don't really call that being, people are going to hate me for this, but technically that's not like a business owner, really. You're just that's not, not you, you own a job, not a system. Yeah. You're not taking out the risk of buying inventory or value adding that inventory, then bringing in a sales and marketing team that you have to pay their salaries for. There's different thresholds of this. Yes. Think about, I think I know you got, you have the same thought process with your kids, right? Like you've gone off the deep end with entrepreneurship in a way with majority of your business. Yeah. But do you think that being a business, I think is a different way of seeing the world. It makes you hunt for your own meat as opposed to a salary. Yeah. Um, when you eat what you kill, you learn how to hunt real quick. Yeah. But when you have your little tiger cubs, maybe you have them just sell crap on the internet or be a real estate agent or work as a person within a larger construct, I guess is what we're saying. Yeah. But you mean, I don't know. This is probably, this is a parenting conversation. But like one of, one of my three kids would never survive in, in a <laughs> to kill environment. Like, he would die. I don't think 
you have to be wired a certain way, right? It's not that they're dumb or anything like that. Oh just... yeah, no, he's the nicest one, but he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't do the things he needs to do. Anyways, but to your point, this like more moderate risk appetite. Yeah, because let's talk about in terms of you've heard of the term asymmetric risk, right? Flyers. When I look at their high level of all your stuff going on, your business is an asymmetric risk. I'm not saying this high level of real estate stuff is, I don't, it's not asymmetric. It yeah. is in our boring, boring world of real estate. It is technically, but in the whole grand scheme of the world, that's why we do real estate. Yeah. That makes, that would probably be easier to explain to my wife too. Yeah. The, the, the bank with a quarter of what we're going to sell from the house versus being the investor for the other three quarters. And this is why I say for younger entrepreneurs, especially people under a million dollars net worth who run their own real businesses, putting money into your own stuff is always going to be the best ROI, right? What did you evaluate your business at? 300 grand could very well be a million, two million dollars in the next several years for all we know, right? Like it has the ability to pop where... That's the bad thing about real estate. It's not going to, we're not going to triple your money in a year. That's not going to happen. Yeah. But also comes in with, at least it's not going to vanish. Yeah. SEO change. This thing is now your business <laughs> yeah. is wiped out. Like, but that is real though. Chat GPT is, it's going to help me. I'm using it as a lever, but like other people, it's dangerous. Yeah. There was a guy, he has a software very similar to like Hootsuite and Social Sprout that had AI where he would write your social posts, which yeah. I like, I'm never on social media. I think the thing is stupid. You write these emojis with these one-liner words. But last night I just put in, I recorded a thing and then I transcribed it and I cut and pasted it into ChatGPT saying, hey, give me a social media post that's funny. And yeah. it just made me turn me into a 17-year-old with a super engaging social media thing. Yeah. Dude, you can't even, the number one flaw with that thing is that people, the value of it chatting back to you is it will learn based off what you tell it. So you can be like, the first thing you should add to all your prompts is like, tell it what you want it to do and then say, ask me as many questions as needed to give me the best answer. Yeah. Then you would, yeah. you, you could have made it, maybe like Rich Uncle Lane is like the meme behind all those social posts. And probably didn't do a good job. I posted yesterday and they got two likes. So maybe the people with those, those social media AI companies, they, their business will survive yet another year. But yeah. that's how but businesses it's, are. It's, it's asymmetric. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Where renting out boxes where people live and do business is a lot more time tested. Yes. Never say never, but yeah. But yeah, what I don't know. We're not talking what? too big differences right it's just different viewpoints the way to look at it yeah and this is it was i was kicking myself because i haven't i don't have this solved so i had to miss the jacksonville deal which i was really interested in i even drove by it because i was there a couple months ago but i needed to solve this i couldn't tell my wife honey i hid 50 grand in jacksonville in the ground and by the way i don't know what to do with the house this is a logistics thing right you got to sell the san diego property as soon as you can ideally in the summertime right that's always the nicest is, time to do it. Yeah. The lease is up June 30th. Okay. Um, they know it's coming too. Yeah. The only question for you is, do you want to pre-fund your investing other places? But I don't know. How about discussion with your spouse? I don't know if you guys communicate on a daily basis, but say, hey, I got this 150 year mark for this Pennsylvania house so that we can remain married. And yes. then, yeah, this is your deployment plan for the rest. And it's just a matter of time. 
so this is the this makes perfect sense to me but so then the deployment phase i guess this is where i this is new ground for me as an investor to know about deal flow or like how quickly these formulas are assuming that this capital is deployed promptly or when not following like when all how, the cadence how, of deals or yeah like how quickly do is the that 12 percent is that's the pref like re, translate these to cash flow deals that i've been seeing yeah know. like on the low end just speaking in terms of just all lower of alternative investments like 12 percent, you should be able to realize that pretty quickly maybe not as quick as a month pay you on the next month you know that's kind of instantaneous almost but i could but that low end is that's pretty illiquid right and that is the then the whole tax the pet fund is no there's no losses in pet that's right it's paid 1099 and that's why the rates are a little bit higher than what you would normally see out there yeah because quite honestly most investors and i put you in this case the passive losses won't do you any good man I don't know why you guys all look for it. It doesn't do you guys and you any good in particular. Why do you care? Yeah, I, I that, don't. That's one of the like the silliest things I hear. It's, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to pay. I already paid too much taxes. I'm not gonna do anything with money because I don't want to pay taxes on it. I'm like it's part of my language. But it's, are you serious? You're gonna forego on this return to pay a fraction of the taxes on it? I'd be happy to pay the taxes on it. Yeah. And then I look at the guy's net worth and it's under a million dollars. I'm like, oh, that's why I, that's his financial sophistication. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, to, to map this out though, like those, that 12% gets reinvested and goes away. So it's really easy to pay the taxes on it. Yeah. It's a cheesy line that I've heard other people use that they're like, oh, I want to pay more taxes because you pay more taxes. That means you're making way more money. If, it, if it's new, mo- if it's new money. Right, but these guys are like, oh, I don't want new money. I don't want to pay taxes on that. It's silly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, every situation is a little bit different, right? But for most people, more importantly, you, because you're the most important person, Eric, right now, it doesn't really matter if you increase your your AGI, especially for you, because, you know, you're playing. I want to keep it down. I keep it down with my business already. I don't even need it. Yeah. You're not peaking over $340,000 a year in terms of AGI, they don't really have a problem at this point. But then those, do I have a problem if I deploy the 300 aggressively too quickly when there are deals? At that point, no, that's where I say get to know your sponsor yeah. operator. See me after class. I got the message. See you after class. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's traditionally the hard thing about these kind of funds and or real estate in general, right? It's a liquid which can be a good thing for most personality types that kind of jump around. It's not like people have this idea that, oh, there's going to be a rush of good deals. That's not what happened. It doesn't happen like that. Once you've gone through several years of this, and you've seen many ups and downs. Like, yeah, dollar cost average. That's what Lane's been saying since the beginning of time. You just constantly go into stuff and you just build your pipeline, which unfortunately with real estate takes a while. This is not a get-rich-quick scheme. Yeah, but the, I take a hint from me, right? Follow. You, know, you can copy what I do. I threw a whole bunch of money in here it's just so it wasn't sitting around doing nothing. And then when other things will come up, I have to move it over and making money here at least in the meantime. Which twelve percent's pretty dang good. I I wonder about this. Like saying no to deals that you. This is an, another new investor question, I'm sure. But like pretty much, if you're distributing a deal, it should be good enough for me. 
Like the point is like you're, you're not passing along shit deals. You're walking away from them. I'm certainly not doing most of these guys do are like these Daisy Chang LinkedIn. These are our home cooking operated in-house. Been there, done that, where you're in these deals where you don't have operational control or lead and then just another person in the load. That said, I'm even the one signing on the debt too, if that means anything to you. Yeah. Yeah. You're um, the sponsor. Yeah. I mean, in other words, like I'm not a financial planner here, man. Technically, do what you want, but I also the one buying the same product and having much more skin in the game. Yeah. So if that doesn't do it for you, then I don't know what will. That, I spoke with five different syndication people before I met you, yeah. but you first one I invested in because you're the only one that said, I'm putting my own money into this. And really, they didn't put their money into it. They said they were going uh, to, but I actually think well, that. There's like a gazillion syndicators out there. Right, gazillion. And you're yeah. into the space of internet marketing. It's entirely fake to you make it game. Yes. Show me any of those guys that have done more than a billion dollars of deals. We're at 2.1 today. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we could be making all, I could be making that all, all up, Eric. And that's why I say, <laughs> that's that not- I know you haven't come out. I haven't come out to an event. Don't, you know, no, of course, I, meet I, me, meet the I, team. But I met you in Seattle. I met you in Seattle. I flew oh, yeah. In- Shoot, you did. I, I came, I flew yeah. from Pennsylvania to Seattle to drink some wine with you. Yeah. Where in that case, you can't come anymore. You already took, used up your test drive ticket. Oh, wait. That wasn't an official event. That was more of a, like a wine event that we did. It was a, yeah, it was a meet and greet. It wasn't that. Yeah. But yeah, I think that what we're setting up now is this normal cadence of the annual retreat in Hawaii and then maybe something in San Diego in the summertime. I know a great rental there. I can kind yeah. <laughs> A party house or let us. Do our family office meetings there after June 30th, right? Yes. But yeah, that's the next step. I think you've already met other people, right? You've already met other people. I mean, at some point, you as a past investor need to make this leap of faith. And I was there at one time myself. I didn't have this curriculum. I didn't have any accredited investors I knew. You maybe got phone numbers of one or two of them, right? Like you have a huge leg up on this. I don't know. I don't know what to say, man. It's like, you know, it's like you're what? an entrepreneur, right? You're supposed I, to be better at jumping through these. I see. Things. I see it. I'm unclear as like the two, three years down from that, allocating the 300 and the 100. What is that? It, you want me to scare you a little bit? Yeah. yeah. Once, once we get to, I don't even know when that point is like four or five billion dollars assets. Yeah. That's usually the point where we get pretty damn institutional and you'll never see me again because I'll just be. I'll just hand it off to a bunch of presidents and CEOs to do all my work for me. And then that at that point, you'll start to see the investor splits go way skewed in the other direction, where as a passive investor, you're not going to get very much returns. And I, you see this with a lot of people, right? They're like, oh, we made X amount on these last deals. Yeah, that was when you're giving away the farm, doing like a 90-10 split with your passive investors. Not now when you're doing 70, 30, and certainly not when you become institutional and you go to 50, 50 with no skin in the game too. Ooh, woof. And, that's and, what you're going to do? That's the way, that's the way to get to your Tiger 21 club. But that's the progression, right? Okay. And that's why people join the family office group because, and I tell them I'm a little bit more transparent in that group. And I'm like, look guys, like you have to build a network of other passive investors around you to improve your deal flow and at least have a sounding board of knowing where not to invest with. Yeah. Uh, because the players will change. But if you think about it like this, 
Like right now, you're really dipping your toe in with an insignificant amount of your money. What most of the people will do is they'll they, you just need to ride one set of operators into shore. So you're going to need to deploy half a million, million dollars at least if you want to get up to that four or five million dollar end game. Once you do that, yeah, then you can go invest with institutional. Hell, you can go back to traditional investments and invest in T-bills and do some of our higher network strategies that some of our family office people will do there. Yeah. You don't have to keep playing this game of Russian roulette with internet syndicators and all these other random people out there. The other thing that I'm also thinking about factoring in here is I've told people about this, but they're all spooked. Like my brother has cash on the sidelines and he's like a W2 classic eldest child kind of thing. I'm like, dude, you got to, the stock market's not going to come and save you. You're wasting your time. My personal friends that we've talked about this years ago, it's a waste of time. And like, I'm like, when you finally meet a cohesive group around you, they're all doing the same thing. We have over a hundred people in our family office group. I'm not saying to join it. I'm just saying, stop wasting your time with people that you just have to talk and talk to. And that's why I say, if anybody listening refers their friend via email, we'll tag them and we'll hook them up with a syndication e-course for free. Why? That way you don't have to waste your time telling this guy who's probably not going to do anything because we track these leads. I would say out of the people that you know you or anybody would refer, it's probably like, one fifth of the time, the person will open up the dang yeah. e-course and actually yeah. use it. And it's all there. So eight hours of LP curated content. The referrals don't do that. And you're just wasting your time. And you know how it is, right? When you get in a room with people with money, not your skin down the slopes, holding hands, singing kumbaya. Like why life's too short to be going uphill with people. That's, but that's my, that's a great laneism. Yeah. I like that. So I don't even waste my time. So I'll contact you offline about this. This is my only book that I like. The Little Red Hand. Do you know what happens in this book? I don't think so. Essentially, this little red hand did all this work to cut the wheat, bake the bread, and I'm probably missing a gazillion. And all these other guys, the farm animals, like, ah, nah, we'll wait till the end. We don't want to work. We don't want to do anything. And then you know what? The hen baked the bread. And you can eat it. And then everyone's like the fat little piggy or duck and the little lazy roosters like, oh, can I have some? And then what did the hen said? No, screw you guys. Too late. Yeah. Yeah. But it's if only the little red hen had other friends, then it'd be more of a practical way. of going. The, the little red hen club. Yeah. The little red hen went on his computer and found a little group of internet friends who met up from time to time because... You know, they didn't have anything better to do than to figure out who the other financial independent people were at. Yeah. Yeah. We, I met up with, you invited me when I went to Seattle. I had lunch with the Foom crew, wherever it's someplace. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was awesome. But no, I live on the East Coast now. So like the odds I'll ever see any of those people. Yeah. You met a lot of the Seattle people, right? Yeah. I met the Seattle people. Yeah. But you see where this is going, right? You're definitely past the stage most people get to above a million, nearly and a half net worth. The goal is just getting the four mil for you because you're in Pennsylvania. Although you do have three kids though. Yeah. But yeah, once you get there, you're FI, you're weightless and you don't really need to work anymore. And then that's how you're going to fill up your time in your late fifties, maybe even early fifties. Yeah. And that's my big MO is bust your butt, bake the bread, eat the bread and then chill. Yeah. And then watch all the other farm animals kind of work. That's a good game plan. You got to practice, start learning how to golf. 
Yeah, probably. But yeah, did we get all your questions answered? And yeah, that was super, was super helpful. I feel like I have a follow up to you about deployment or, and a follow up to my real estate agent and a follow up to my tax guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I would also say you guys do a horrible job of like communicating this plan to your partners and which is why you guys will bring your spouses to the retreats so they can see this crap on their own. And so you can finally get on the same page. Unfortunately, they don't listen to you. They get it. But they might listen to me or the other people there. I definitely would love an East Coast or a mainland retreat even. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that then the age-old conversation will be like, Eric, this person was telling me the same stuff you were. But, <laughs> but like he said it smarter. Yeah. Yeah. He said it that's, smarter. Yeah. That's yeah. What Not as needy as how you normally do with your spreadsheets. Come to me and asking for $400,000. Asking for... But that's build, how it is. Build a smaller house, honey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, this is awesome. Super helpful. I knew you were going to make my spreadsheet bleed. But yeah, so folks, these are free, but you got to put yourself out there. You can change your name. I don't care. You can even, if you're really self-conscious, you can even put up a non-video picture of something. Eric's not my real name, by the way. Yeah, Eric's not his real name. But yeah, if you guys are interested in this, shoot an email to team. And I'll see you guys next time.